Book Two, Chapter Five of the Wanderer's Necklace by H. Ryder Haggard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five Ave Post Secula. It comes back to me that on the following day, my successor in the governorship of the jail, who he was, I know not now, arrived and that to him in due form i handed over my offices and duties before i did so however i made it my care to release barnabas i think on the previous evening in his cell i read the augusta's warrant to the old bishop how was it obtained son he asked for know that having so many enemies on this small matter of image worship I expected to die in this place. Now it seems that I am free, and may even return to my charge in Egypt. The Empress granted it to me as a favor, father, I answered. I told her that you were from the north, like myself. He studied me with his shrewd blue eyes, and said, It seems strange to me that so great and unusual a boon should be granted for such a reason seeing that better men than i am have suffered banishment and worse woes for less cause than i have given what did you pay the empress for this favour son olaf nothing father is it so olaf a dream has come to me about you and in that dream i saw you walk through a great fire and emerge unscathed save for the singeing of your lips and hair Perhaps they were singed, father. Otherwise I am unburned, though what will happen to me in the future I do not know, for my dangers seem great. In my dream you triumphed over all of them, Olaf, and also met with some reward, even in this life, though now I know not what it was. Yes, and triumph you shall, my son in Christ. Fear nothing, even when the storm-clouds sweep about your head and the lightnings blind your eyes. I say fear nothing, for you have friends whom you cannot see. I ask no more, even under the seal of confession, since there are secrets which it is not well to learn. Who knows, I might go mad, or torture might draw for me words I would not speak. Therefore keep your own counsel, son, and confess to God alone." what will you do now father i asked return to egypt nay not yet a while it comes to me that i must bide here for a space which under this pardon i have liberty to do but to what end i cannot say later on i shall return if god will so i go to dwell with good folk who are known to me and from time to time will let you hear where i may be found if you should need my help or counsel then i led him to the gates and having given him a witnessed copy of his warrant of release bade him farewell for that time making it known to the guards and certain priests who lingered there that any who molest him must answer for it to the augusta thus we parted having handed over the keys to the prison i walked to the palace unattended being minded to take up my duties there unnoticed but this was not to be as i entered the palace gate a sentry called out something and a messenger who seemed to be in waiting departed at full speed 
then the sentry saluting told me that his orders were that i must stand a while he knew not why presently i discovered for across the square within the gates marched a full general's guard whereof the officer also saluted and prayed me to come with him i went wondering if i was to be given in charge and by him surrounded with this pompous guard was led to my new quarters which were more splendid than i could have dreamed here the guard left me and presently other officers appeared some of them old comrades of my own asking for orders of which of course i had none to give also within an hour i was summoned to a council of generals to discuss some matter of a war in which the empire was engaged by such means as these it was conveyed to me that i had become a great man or at any rate one in the way of growing great that afternoon when according to my old custom i was making my round of the guards i met the augusta upon the main terrace surrounded by a number of ministers and courtiers i saluted and would have passed on but she bade one of her eunuchs call me to her so i came and stood before her we greet you general olaf she said where have you been all this long while oh i remember at the state prison as its governor of which office you are now relieved at your own request well the palace welcomes you again for when you are here all within know themselves safe thus she spoke her great eyes searching my face the while then bowed her head in token of dismissal i saluted again and began to step backwards according to the rule whereon she motioned me to stand then she began to make a laugh of me to the painted throng about her say nobles and ladies she said did any of you ever see such a man we address him as best we may and we have reason to believe that he understands our language yet not one word does he vouchsafe to us in answer there he stands like a soldier cut in iron who moves by springs with never an i thank you or a good day on his lips doubtless he would reprove us all who he holds talk too much being as we have all heard a man of stern morality who has no tenderness for human foibles by the way general olaf a rumour has reached us that you have forsaken doubt and become a christian is this true it is true augusta then if as a pagan you were a man of iron what will you be as a christian we wonder one hard as diamond no less yet we are glad of this tidings as all good servants of the church must be since henceforth our friendship will be closer and we value you general you must be received publicly into the bosom of the faith it will be an encouragement to others to follow your example perhaps if you have served us so well in many wars and as an officer of our guard we ourselves will be your godmother the matter shall be considered by us what have you to answer to it nothing i replied save that when the augusta has considered of the matter i will consider my answer at this the courtiers tittered and instead of growing angry as i thought she might irene burst out laughing truly we were wrong she said to provoke you to open your mouth general 
for when you do so like that red sword you wear your tongue is sharp if somewhat heavy tell us general are your new quarters to your taste and before you reply know that we inspected them ourselves and having a liking for such tasks attended to their furnishment this done you will see in the northern style which we think somewhat cold and heavy like your sword and tongue if the augusta asks me i said the quarters are too fine for a single soldier the two rooms where i dwelt before were sufficient a single soldier well that is a fault which can be remedied you should marry general olaf when i find any woman who wishes to marry me and whom i wish to marry i will obey the augustus commands so be it general only remember that first we must approve the lady venture not general to share those new quarters of yours with any lady whom we do not approve then followed by the court she turned and walked away and i went about my business wondering what was the meaning of all this guarded and half bitter talk the next event that returns to me clearly is that of my public acceptance as a christian in the great cathedral of saint sophia which must have taken place not very long after this meeting upon the terrace i know that by every means in my power i had striven though without avail to escape this ceremony pointing out that i could be publicly received into the body of the church at any chapel where there was a priest at a congregation of a dozen humble folk but this the empress would not allow the reason she gave was her desire that my conversion should be proclaimed throughout the city that other pagans of whom there were thousands might follow my example yet i think she had another which she did not avow it was that i might be made known in public as a man of importance whom it pleased her to honour on the morning of this rite martina came to acquaint me with its details and told me that the empress would be present at the cathedral in state making her progress thither in her golden chariot drawn by the famed milk-white steeds i it seemed was to ride after the chariot in my general's uniform which was splendid enough followed by a company of guards and surrounded by chanting priests the patriarch himself no less a person was to receive me and some other converts and the cathedral would be filled with all the great ones of constantinople i asked whether irene intended to be my godmother as she had threatened not so replied martina on that point she has changed her mind so much the better i said but why there is a canon of the church olaf which forbids intermarriage between a godparent and his or her godchild she replied dryly whether this canon has come to the augusta's memory or not i cannot say it may be so who then is to be my godmother i asked hurriedly leaving the problem of irene's motives undiscussed i am by the written imperial decree delivered to me not an hour ago you martina you who are younger than myself by many years yes i the augusta has just explained to me that as we seem to be such very good friends and to talk together so much alone 
doubtless she supposed upon matters of religion there could be no person more suitable than such a good christian as myself to fill that holy office what do you mean martina i asked bluntly i mean olaf she replied turning away her head and speaking in a strained voice that where you are concerned the augusta of late has done me the honour to be somewhat jealous of me well of a godmother no one need be jealous the augusta is a clever woman olaf i do not quite understand i said why should the augusta be jealous of you there is no reason at all olaf except that as it happens she is jealous of every woman who comes near to you and she knows that we are intimate and that you trust me well more perhaps than you trust her oh i assure you that of late you have not spoken to any woman under fifty unnoted and unreported many eyes watch you olaf then they might find better employment but tell me outright martina what is the meaning of all of this surely even a wooden-headed northman can guess olaf she glanced round her to make sure that we were alone in the great apartment of my quarters and that the doors were shut then went on almost in a whisper my mistress is wondering whether or no she will marry again and if so whether she will choose a certain somewhat over-virtuous christian soldier as a second husband and yet she has not made up her mind moreover even if she had nothing could be done at present or until the question of the struggle between her and her son for power is settled in this way or in that therefore at worst or at best that soldier has yet a while of single life left to him say a month or two then during that month or two perhaps he would be wise to travel i suggested perhaps if he were a fool who would run away from fortune and if he could get leave of absence which in this case is impossible to attempt such a journey without would mean his death no if he is wise that soldier will bide where he is and await events possessing his soul in patience as a good christian should do now as your godmother i must instruct you in this service look not so troubled it really is most simple you know staratius the eunuch is to be your godfather which is very fortunate for you since although he looks on you with doubt and jealousy to blind or murder his own godson would cause too much scandal even in constantinople as a special mark of grace also the bishop barnabas of egypt will be allowed to assist in the ceremony because it was he who snatched your soul from the burning moreover since the sacrament is to be administered afterwards he has been commanded to attend here to receive your confession in the chapel of the palace and within an hour you know that this day being the feast of saint michael and all angels you will be received in the name of michael a high one well fitted to a warlike saint though i think i shall still call you olaf so farewell my godson to be until we meet at the cathedral where i shall shine in the reflected light of all your virtues then she sighed laughed a little and glided away 
in due course a priest of the chapel came to summon me there saying that the bishop barnabas awaited me i went and made my confession though in truth i had little to tell him that he did not already know afterwards the good old man who by now was quite recovered from his hurts and imprisonment accompanied me to my quarters where we ate together he told me that before he attended in the chapel he had been received by the empress who had spoken to him very kindly making light of their difference of opinion as to images and with her own mouth confirmed him in his bishopric even hinting at his possible promotion this my son he added i am well aware i owe to your good offices i asked him if he would return at once to upper egypt where he had his bishopric no my son he answered not yet a while the truth is that there have arrived here the chief man in my diocese and his daughter he is a descendant of the old pharaohs of the egyptians who lives near the second cataract of the nile almost on the borders of ethiopia whither the accursed children of mahomet have not yet forced their way he is still a great man among the egyptians who look upon him as their lawful prince his mission here is to try to plan a new war upon the followers of the prophet who he holds might be assailed by the empire at the mouths of the nile while he attacked them with his egyptians from the south now i grew interested who had always grieved over the loss of egypt to the empire and asked what was this prince's name magus my son and his daughter is named heliodore ah she is such a woman as i would see you wed beautiful indeed and good and true as she is beautiful with a high spirit also such as befits her ancient blood mayhap you will note her in the cathedral nay i forgot not there but afterwards in this palace since it is the command of the empress to whom i have been speaking of their matters that these two should come to dwell here for a while after that i hope we shall all return to egypt together though magus being on a secret mission does not travel under his own name but is a merchant suddenly he paused and began to stare at my throat is aught wrong with my armour father i asked no son i was looking at that trinket which you wear of course i have noted it before but never closely it is strange very strange what is strange father only that i have seen another like it i dare say you have i answered laughing for when i would not give this to the augusta it pleased her to have it copied no no i mean in egypt and what is more a story hung to the jewel on whom where what story i asked eagerly oh i cannot stay to tell you now moreover your mind should be fixed upon immortal crowns not on earthly necklaces i must be gone nay stay me not i am already late do you get to your knees and pray till your godparents come to fetch you then in spite of all i could do to keep him he went muttering strange exceedingly strange and leaving me quite unfit for prayer an hour later i was riding through the streets of the mighty city clad in shining armour 
as the season was that of october in which the feast of st michael falls we wore cloaks although the day being warm they were little needed mine was of some fine white stuff with a red cross broidered on the right shoulder staratius the eunuch and great minister who had been ordered to act as my godfather rode alongside of me on a mule because he dared not mount on a horse sweating beneath his thick robe of office and as i heard from time to time cursing me his godson and all this ceremony beneath his breath on my other hand was my godmother martina riding an arab mare which she did well enough having been brought up to horsemanship on the plains of greece her mood was varied for now she laughed at the humour of the scene and now she was sad almost to tears the streets were lined with thousands of the pleasure-loving people of the city who had come out to see the show of the empress going in state to the cathedral they were gathered even on the flat housetops and in the entrances to the public buildings and open places but the glory of the sight was centred not about me with my escort of guards and chanting priests but in irene's self preceded and followed by glittering regiments of soldiers she drove in her famous golden chariot drawn by eight milk-white steeds each of which was led by a bejewelled noble her dress was splendid and covered with sparkling gems and on her yellow hair she wore a crown as she went the multitudes shouted their welcome and she bowed to right and left in answer to the shouts now and again however bands of armed men clad in a dress of peculiar colour emerged from side streets and hooted crying where is the augustus give us the augustus we will not be ruled by a woman and her eunuchs these men were of the party of constantine and set on by him once indeed there was a tumult for some of them tried to bar the road till they were driven away leaving a few dead or wounded behind them but still the crowd shouted and the empress bowed as though nothing had happened and thus by a somewhat winding route we came to saint sophia the augusta entered and presently i and those with me followed her into the wonderful cathedral i see it now not in particular but as a whole with its endless columns its aisles and apses and its glittering mosaics shining through the holy gloom across which shot bars of light from the high window places all the great place was full of the noblest in the city rank upon rank of them come hither to see the empress in her glory at the great feast of st michael which year by year she attended thus at the altar waited the patriarch in his splendid robes attended by many bishops and priests among them barnabas of egypt the service began i and some other converts standing together near to the altar rail the details of it do not return to me sweet voices sang censures gave forth their incense banners waved and images of the saints standing everywhere smiled upon us fixedly some of us were baptized and some who had already been baptized were received publicly into the fellowship of the church i among them my godfather staratius a deacon prompting him and my godmother martina spoke certain words on my behalf and i also spoke certain words which i had learned 
the splendid patriarch a sour-faced man with a slight squint gave me his especial blessing the bishop barnabas upon whom as i noticed the patriarch was always careful to turn his back offered up a prayer my godfather and godmother embraced me staratius smacking the air at a distance for which i was grateful and martina touching me gently with her lips upon the brow the empress smiled upon me and as i passed her patted me on the shoulder then the sacrament was celebrated whereof the empress partook first next we converts and our godparents and afterwards a number of the congregation it was over at last the augusta and her attendants marched down the cathedral towards the great western doors priests followed and among them we converts whom the people applauded openly looking to right and left of me for i was weary of keeping my gaze fixed upon the floor presently i caught sight of a face whilst as yet it was far away it seemed to draw me i knew not why the face was that of a woman stood by an old and stately-looking man with a white beard the last of a line of worshippers next to the aisle along which the procession passed and i saw that she was young and fair down the long resounding aisle the procession marched slowly now i was nearer to the face and perceived that it was lovely as some rich-hued flower the large eyes were dark and soft as a deer's the complexion too was somewhat dark as though the sun had kissed it the lips were red and curving and about them played a little smile that was full of mystery as the eyes were full of thought and tenderness the figure was delicate and rounded but not so very tall all these things and others i noted yet it was not by them that i was drawn and held but rather because i knew this lady she was the woman of whom years ago i had dreamed on the night on which i broke into the wanderer's tomb at r never for one moment did i doubt me of this truth i was sure i was sure it did not even need while she turned to whisper something to her companion that the cloak she wore should open a little revealing on her breast a necklace of emerald beetles separated by inlaid shells of pale and ancient gold she was watching the procession with interest yet somewhat idly when she caught sight of me whom from where she stood she could scarcely have seen before of a sudden her face grew doubtful and troubled like to that of one who has just received some hurt she saw the ornament about my neck she turned pale and had she not gripped the arm of the man beside her would i think have fallen then her eyes caught mine and fate had us in its net she leaned forward gazing gazing all her soul in those dark eyes and i too gazed and gazed the great cathedral vanished with its glittering crowds the sound of chanting and of feet that marched died away from my ears in place of these i saw a mighty columned temple and two stone figures taller than pines seated on a plain and through the moonlit silence heard a sweet voice murmuring farewell for this life 
farewell. Now we were near to each other. Now I was passing her, I who might not stay. My hand brushed hers, and, oh, it was as though I had drunk a cup of wine. A spirit entered into me, and bending, I whispered in her ear, speaking in the Latin tongue, since Greek, which all knew, I did not dare use. Ave post secula. Greeting after the ages. I saw her bosom heave, yes, and heard her whisper back, Ave. So she knew me also. End of chapter 5